morning, everybody, and uh, welcome to uh, Strategy Cafe, your shot of leadership inspiration from us. Um, really delighted to welcome so many new viewers, listeners this month. Uh, Cafe is our monthly leadership magazine, but it's been off for a few months, not really sure why, but we're back on. We've got a cracking uh, season ahead with some really good speakers coming up all the way through until the new year. So uh, please do check in. Um, so if this is our way of picking up interesting topics um, about leadership, interviewing successful leaders to really try and get their tips. And our hope is that you find it useful and um, inspirational in your own leadership challenges. And that's because our purpose, Alembic's purpose, is to help you as a leader lead better, which is a mix of getting your strategy right and supporting you with uh, the delivery. And one way to do that is to help you understand leadership better and your growth options. Cafe really is a nice way to connect with that, I think, and um, share our thinking. Be really pleased uh, to hear your suggestions for subjects and improvements and other people you'd like us to interview. And don't forget, you can post questions um, during today's show. So if you go and have a look on your um, webinar panel, there's a questions area about halfway down. Feel free to fire questions in and we'll pick them up at some point uh, during during the interview. So, Richard, welcome to the cafe. Uh, maybe say hello to everybody and just introduce yourself. Good morning, Nick. How are you? Very good. Good. Okay. Um, so, good morning, everybody. My name is Richard Metcalf. I'm the CEO and founder of Arc Solutions. We are leading RegTech firm based in Shoreditch. We're um, on a big growth cycle in our business, so um, hopefully 100% growth next year. And I've said it now on camera, can't go back. Um, growing that team from just a couple of those you know, two or three founders up to around about 60 people at the minute, based across London and, and Belfast. and uh, Dublin, we've had a sales office in New York as well that we opened last year. So companies on a huge kind of upward trajectory. Um, delighted to come along today to talk about my journey. And um, if anyone wants to reach out to me, I'm sure Nick will share my details as well. Yeah, great. Um, so um, really excited, really excited to be talking to you today, Richard. Uh, uh, we've known each other for a few years. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely interested. I think everyone will be interested here about founding the business, about growing the business, about going international, expanding into new markets. But um, I, I thought we should start off with some um, some uh, buzzword bingo, and um, maybe you know you're uh, fintech, but you're also um, reg tech, and um, this is financial close software. I thought maybe a good place to start would be to sort of explain yourself. What what is it? <laughs> yeah, explain myself. Yeah, of course. Um, so our financial close platform is a relatively new concept that's out there. The idea is that Businesses, especially finance departments, are going to mount the regulation that's coming at them. So by having a single platform that we can manage all of that stuff off, it's hugely advantageous that um, things can be done in real time. So I'll give you an example. Um, if we had, uh, previously we would have um, uh, situations where people do a VAT return like 30 days or 60 days after their quarter, um, by having a financial close platform, they can do that in probably like near real time. So by having the data flowing all the way through the uh, through the process and continuously, you know, finance teams can be much more efficient in their um, you know sort of productivity 
remove people to do the things that are value add rather than kind of sticking spreadsheets together and that sort of thing. So that's what Arc do. That's Arc's vision, and that's how we want to help help fund. I love it. I think uh, I always think these uh, this new world. It's like we're building um, we're building motorways, but we're building like motorways um, on the internet. These are sort of um, simple A to B solutions, which are revolutionary. Really, it's quite exciting. So, tell us about founding. How did you uh, how did you get into this, and what was you know what what was it that kicked all this off for you? Yeah, sure. So, um, fresh air in here. It's incredibly warm. <laughs> the um, the uh, so I was made redundant in the financial crisis in two thousand nine. So I had a situation there where sometimes I sit you down in a big boardroom and say, "Look, for some of you, this is going to be an opportunity." Well, I was kind of listening at that moment. I think whilst there yeah. were sort of people worrying about the and all that stuff, I thought actually I've got the energy and the motivation to, to try and make something out of this. So um, I sort of networked um, into the next six months to really do contract roles, network um, significantly. And I was doing one particular contract role and somebody came along and put this piece of paper on my desk and said, can you help us with this? And I went around, did my research in the market. And actually, you know what, I couldn't really find anybody doing it. So my radar went on. And I just thought at that moment, that's the moment that actually this could be my, my business opportunity. Um, made the classic mistakes of you know trying to get invalidation from friends and family. He all said, oh, it's really brave. It's probably a really great idea. And then started talking to people in the market and realized that there's this problem of something called competition. And the competition were very strong and all that type of thing. But you know what? I thought, I don't really care about that. I think, uh, I think there's an opportunity here to really sort of, you know, I've got the energy and I've got the advantage of being nimble as well. So I was still actually working a job at the time. Um, I threw up a kind of $99 website that said Arc Solutions to do this particular filing. It was something for HMRC called um, IHRL. And I found that I just couldn't cope with the amount of traffic that was coming through, through the door. And the problem was that I was going to um, bring people back on my lunch hour to say thank you for your inquiry, let's talk about this. And of course, guess what, right? They're, they're at lunch. So I started bringing people back at two and three in the afternoon, eating into my own time that I was supposed to be working my job. I ended up, I can't see which one it was, I ended up having a strong discussion with my directors about my dedication to that role. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> And also at that time, and if any of my team are watching this, then this is this is bad. This is off the record. Um, and then I was actually outsourcing a lot of my work through things like Elance and Fiverr and things, you know, um, because I just didn't have time to do it. So I did the I did the honourable thing and, and resigned from that. Um, dragged in a really strong uh, technical co-founder, Roy, who, who you know, who's been amazing over the last five, um, last actually he's been amazing over nine years, not five. <laughs> Over nine years, and um, and he and I just kind of struck up that, that chemistry that we, you know, we've got a sort of um, strong product person, a techie person, and you know the classic sort of uh, combination that you need, people person, which is me. So that's that's a great great story. Um, we I think we then kind of connected maybe you know, five years later or something like that. Um, um, so like a big gap between that, you know, kind of like. Um, really organic um, startup 
Um, and then mm. I, remember, I remember talking to you about hitting base camp, which is like uh, you've got a sustainable break-even business, but kind of quite interested in your early phase insights. What were the the big things at that point? You know, when you just got to when we first met, you know, what what did what did you learned on the on the journey to to base camp? Yeah. Okay. So things that I probably like to share. I think like many owner entrepreneurs, I became the main salesperson in the business, which is a huge mistake. Um, that is absolutely unscalable. So um, I went through a process of probably about three years learning how to hire and run a sales team. I'd never done that before. I think by having by bringing in experienced salespeople that allowed me to scale. So yeah. I think. People look at that and say, I can't afford that salary. And actually, you know, I spent more money on hiring bad people, paying bad people off, um, you know, waste getting, they were wasting opportunities and giving me bad information back. And, and I think actually when people look at things like sales salaries, they don't realize that those people will start making money for you soon. So, yeah. so actually it's not like, don't look at a headline number, right? You say, well, what can that person do who's efficient and effective do period. Um, the other thing, so I'm kind of thinking if I started again, I was dropped on a desert island, what sort of people I would need. So I think the other person would be um, to have an assistant as well. So you and I have talked a little bit about this. It's my number one thing, actually. So even if you are stupid enough as the entrepreneur to do a lot of the sales, you need somebody doing, running around after you and kind of tidying up. So you know, on that basis, Again, that was a huge kind of you know game changer. I think having somebody reliable who's got your back that can defend you when people are coming at you is really important. And it's almost like having a second brain. So if you have someone that's really competent there, you can trust and rely on them. So um, yeah, that, that's that's what I would do if I was said, here's uh, here's a set of tools, start again. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I remember when um, and when I started Alembic, we met up for um, for lunch up in Shoreditch, and um, um, at that point, I didn't have a PA, and I'd had a PA for previous ten years, and um, I mean, um, they were complete gold dust, and um, I, I completely agree. Sort of finding that person, it's hard to find them, right? Hard to get the right person, and. Um, you know, how do you now make sure that you do get that right and you don't waste the money on the wrong the wrong hire? Is there a way that you found for that? Yeah, I think so. So we, um, I'm really proud of the fact that we tend to hire in a lot of people who actually might have previously been our customers. So my CFO was one of my first five customers. We've got over 750 customers now, but she, but Jenny was one of the first people ever bought from me. Um, we've got, um, you know, my, my sales director, Danny, someone who I'd used, um, to place people in business and said, I'd like her to join. Um, we've just got Sabina, who's joined as a regulatory manager, again, one of our customers and apologies for everyone else who I left out, but, but, you know, it's basically your network is your strongest recruiting opportunity. Um, yeah. and I think that you should always be, I've got a little black book of people who I want to hire. Um, okay. we've just hired a we just hired um, director of product strategy from the business from from our main competitor. You know, so yeah. it, it's about um, about having that little shortlist, and and that's my that's what I try and sort of you know, give to the team as a kind of like some guidance around it. 
Yeah, so there's kind of like, um, and these days you're kind of building a relationship in advance and you're more strategic about your key highs and about thinking who's next and who might be on the radar. So that, I'm hearing that in a way is key to you for the scale up is to get uh, ahead of the game on uh, who you might need to attract into the business in the next year. Yeah, I think one of the best compliments I had recently was, <laughs> was people said, I thought you were crazy hiring in all these experienced senior people, but now I yeah. see why. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and that gave some validation for, for me, like, how did we do without these people, you know, and, and all that sort of thing. So, so again, I haven't really finished that process. There's, there's a, you know, there's a bunch of other, you know, people want to bring in and that's very, I hope that that's really exciting for the people that are here because actually working with um, high level of talent and stuff is, you know, should be really sort of inspirational to other people. So, um, yeah. Often um, people talk also just about, uh, so, you know, there's, there's um, just picking up on, there's a lot of vision there. Um, and I know that it, um, when you, you know, listening back to that story, if you're working somewhere else and seeing an opportunity with your radar on and starting to generate business and then your employer sort of saying, you know, how committed are you to this? Kind of quite amusing, but uh, really interesting sort of organic startup. But there's a vision there, kind of unformed vision. Um, I know, you know, we talked about it, that vision is really important to you, but, um, you know, how how important has it been to tighten up and how, how often has the vision shifted and, and what would you say about strategy? You know, why, 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 how has strategy become important? So, um, it took me quite a long time to kind of get this and we're, and we're just shaping our vision now because we're going through a um, capital raise in the minutes business and setting a new strategic direction for five years. So we're just kind of refining some of that message. But what I um, didn't realize is the importance of repeating myself time and time again. Now, sometimes it was like, I think I've already said that people have got it, but actually when you've got, you know, 50 plus people, um, some people weren't at that briefing, some people were at that meeting, so they wonder what's happening. Um, so actually I've, I've given, you know, people permission to say, look, I've heard this before. We actually have kind of um, in our meeting room, we have cards that say, I think, I think Solomon's like, I've heard this before or whatever. So, so, you know, that's that's to stop repetition in meetings. But, but actually, I, I think I just need to try out the sales same message. And the message is, right, I'm going to the North Pole in five years. Who wants to come? And I've got a detailed map of how we're going to get there. And then you start kind of, you know, describing that to people so so yeah strategy is much more important now because I don't feel as though I'm in the on the pitch of the business I'm like coaching from the sidelines and you know that's that's been a big shift for me in, in the last probably you know year or two actually as, as we mature as a business and I actually hiring people who I'll whisper this who are smarter than me so <laughs> it's a it's about checking, leaving the ego at the door and saying, look, I'm bringing in someone who's really better at me at that job, right? Yeah. And I've got all around experience and I can help them grow into the culture of the business. Yeah, uh, I think it's great and um, uh, really important, I think. So um, I think we, you know, we kind of get that uh, view that, uh, you know, really vision strategy, one of the main purposes of that is communication. It's like a lodestar, isn't it? And you can't do enough. Um, people take a while to get their heads around it. At the same time, you kind of don't want to uh, sound like, um, you know, um, an uh, sort of repetitive. So, 
Um, it's good in the balance, right, for sure. And um, really interesting. I've got a lovely question in from, from Nikki Fuchs, who's uh, so listening. So um, shout out to Nikki, morning, um, which kind of fits in with our next uh, question. So um, so um, then moving on uh, to where you are now, where you're going uh, ahead, is, um heard their big growth plans from that mm. higher base. And um, uh, so her question is, um, you talked about there being a crowded space when you first looked at it. Um, and here you are, you know, um, maybe, did you say nine years in, 10 years in? So now you're looking for 100% growth. So uh, from crowded space to doubling, right? Um, how did you beat up the competition and how are you achieving that, that uh, higher growth rate? Yeah, so I think it's about um, the ultimate destination was about innovation in product. So the space that we're in is um, apps and finance, right? So it's an area that corporates and sort of large to large businesses have not really had much love in. Yeah. You know, to give it a term, I mean, you know, if you buy a piece of tax software, you get someone in a suit and tie comes around, they talk to you, you know, and, and all that sort of thing. So actually, the process is not a particularly enjoyable one. And I think we looked at it from a different angle where we, we took 10 of our biggest customers, sat them around the table, gave them a nice breakfast and started to talk to them about like, where their real pain points were in the business and why you know, they were doing things like they did. And you know, we were fortunate enough, I say fortunate, but this is kind of one of the, one of the you know, things that I encourage in the business is to look for opportunities like, everywhere. So people can come to me and say, look, I'm doing this. Sometimes it makes it, sometimes it doesn't. And, and it, this particular um, sort of move to a cloud platform for, for the financial close was really fueled by a HMRC initiative about making tax digital. So, yeah. so by understanding that requirement, I now know more than the person I'm sat in front of. So I'm delivering knowledge, I'm bringing value to them. So I'm not just saying, look, we're gonna help you do this particularly gnarly kind of requirement that's coming over the hill. We're gonna make you do it smarter. And, and you know, we, we can leverage new technology. If we do this from scratch, right, we can do this with absolutely the best technology that's out there. So we can throw in AI, machine learning, talking bingo here, right? But you know, these things have never been implemented in tax systems before, in finance departments, right? So if you can, you know, instead of sticking all these kind of spreadsheets together, you can run that through an AI engine and it gives you suggestions, but right? suddenly I've got someone that isn't doing what they used to do and they can do something else. So, so that's how we did it. We say, look, we, we're approaching this fresh, we're using brand new technology and we're listening to the you, You're almost making tax sound exciting. <laughs> almost. <laughs> um, so um, what I'm hearing there is just keep really close to the customer um, and really listen to the, the challenges and issues that they've got and um, tell, tell your approach around that. Um, great way to, to beat up competition is to be close to the customer. Yeah, so what um, one thing that I very rarely sort of get out and you know flex if you like is is the fact that in my old role as a software architect, I sort of sit with clients and, and understand what their needs were. And, and I yeah. think the, the difference is now in the, in the business context, it took me probably about 18 months to pluck up the courage to say to somebody, would you like to buy this? Right, I didn't used to have to do that. <laughs> and it's like, uh, that's such an obvious thing to say. And right. it's surprising me how many people say yes. 
Yeah. Yeah, really interesting. Um, uh, just sort of reflecting on a few of those things. So um, uh, just picking up the fact that you sort of, you know, brought in really capable salespeople uh, and in order to get, you know, growth growth in there, leverage in there, um, which freed yeah. you up. So we talked a little bit when we met about autonomous leadership. And I think, you know, one of the outcomes from that was it freed you up to spend time yourself as CEO, more time with clients asking curious questions and yeah. thinking about thinking about product, thinking about next, thinking about problems that are coming up. So that created a bit of that autonomy. Um, but uh, just tell everyone, you know, it's an interesting concept. What is what is autonomous leadership? What does it mean? <laughs> so this is about um, getting walking the fine line between giving people responsibility and still caring about them, I think. Yeah. So, so it's kind of like, if you look at that example, so right, we're going there and we need to be there by, by next year, right? For me, that's an ideal situation to give that challenge to really competent people and say, right, you play that back to me, how are we going to get there? Because the big secret is you probably know better than me, number one. Um, but also, you know, that way they build trust and they, they're sort of adding value to the business. They feel like they're being listened to. You know, I think one of the great opportunities that we have as a smaller, nimble business, and we are getting complexities to scale up, right? We can't still be like, I say to Roy, let's build this. I ring someone up in the afternoon and do that, right? So, you know, that, that's not achievable anymore. But when I look, when I listen to people that have come from places like KTG and come over here, they say, look, previously I had to go through six layers of this, right? right? In order to, to get this on a product roadmap, right? I've been here two weeks. Suddenly I've got the product roadmap approved. And, and th there you go, right? So if you can get something to the market six times quicker, by having that approach where you trust people. And that yeah. all goes back to hiring culture and stuff like that. So, you know, trusting people in a safe culture. That's great. Uh, uh, folks, don't forget to fire in your questions. We've got one from Med Garston coming up in a second. But um, just on that, um, one of the things you talked to me about was confidence um, for you. And I guess you kind of pass that back to the others. So just give us that story about your own confidence factor. Yeah, so I think, um, I think from my perspective, it's been as a introvert that had to learn to be an extrovert, nobody believes me on this, but I was like, as a, you know, I think there was a huge kind of confidence lack. So when you try and sell products and people say they don't want them, there's a, you know, you get the awful CEO imposter syndrome that we all get. You know, so you get it probably once every six months for five minutes, and then I kind of like just shake it off because I think pull yourself together. You, team out there needs you so yeah. so that vulnerability is important to kind of you know acknowledge but move on quickly um yeah. I, think, uh, I think in terms of confidence for me that was about having um a team that believed in me and sometimes that's about reorganizing as well um so we i think one of the major things that was a huge kind of boost for me was getting in a chairman and a mentor who yeah. Um, before. So um, when Alan joined the business last year, we um, he just gave me latitude to say, I think you've got it. I believe in you. And, you know, funny enough, like two days later, I was having the ideas and the confidence and the vision around kind of the new Making Tax Digital platform, like literally two days later. And I think sometimes we forget that. I know, I know. It happened like two days later on the train. And 
that was because I suddenly felt like somebody was backing, you know, backing me. And you go through these ups and downs, right? And you know, I think if we then think about that in the context of the team, you know, if we can put our arm around a team member and say, look, I think you're doing a great job. I want to keep doing what you're doing. Sometimes there's some feedback in there, right, where you say, look, but actually just switch this, tweak this a bit, and you'll be more effective. But I really yeah. think you're doing a great job, and you are there. Yeah. You know, it happens. And, uh, you know, we shouldn't forget to forget to kind of do that with other people. Yeah, really cool. Really cool. And it kind of leads on to a good culture. So I've got a couple of um, photos to share. So this is, <clears throat> excuse me, Andy Andy and Danny, I think. Is that right? And um, FinTech Company of the Year. Yeah. And then this one yeah, is uh, HFM. Photogenic staff members on there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't seem to focus on any of these, uh, featuring any of these. So I think this is just typical of saying, look, here's Here's some members of our sales team. You guys actually did this. I did five minutes work at the start thinking about it and told yep. you to do it. Then you guys just actually spend all day sweating it. So so you get to go to the awards ceremony. I'm not that. Yeah, yeah I love it. In fact, they're uh, up there. It's great. Actually, um, I put the awards behind me just in case uh, we needed them. <laughs> Very good. And then this is like uh, great stuff as well. This is uh, everyone piling in together for, um, you know, for your charitable goals, like culture stuff, which is really cool. Um, I guess on this, I was also interested, like uh, when you um, when you first started, it was around, um, you know, um, soft and uh, maybe family kind of approach. But we talked a little bit about performance and um, sharpening that up. And um, I think this is part of that in a way, isn't it? It's, um, you know, doing good things and doing things well, feeling great about it as part of performance, the positive emotions. Look, this is the hardest job that anyone's got in, in running a small business is making difficult decisions, sometimes yeah. about team reorganization, right? So um, I like to think of this, so my chairman and I talk about being kind of promoted to the Premier League. You know, yeah. and sometimes, you, sometimes you need to then go, right, I need to go and get, you know, players, a lot of the a lot of the team will make that, and that's fantastic, right? You know, the culture is so strong, and they believe in the company that when new people come in, that gives them a boost. But sometimes you need to bring an experience to do that, and and you know that is hard. Um, last year, for example, we had someone who um, had been with me right from the start, and actually got to the stage where we said, look, we need someone that's going to be able to to work in a scaler. Had a fantastic chat about it. Still see him three times a week, helping him with his business. Um, you know, giving time, introducing him to people. He's making the success of that. And I think that's just the ethos, right? You know, you bump yeah. into people more than life, and if you treat them right, when you bump into them in five, ten years' time or whatever, you know, hopefully the karma will be on your side. So my my view of this is that I inherently think people are good. Um, sometimes I I'm naive in that. I do believe in fairies, um, but actually, you know, I win more than I lose in that, rather than thinking everyone's out to screw me. So, you know, if, if I win nine times out of ten, that's cool. I um, I can't remember who it was that said this, but a firm believer in, in what you're saying there, and um, the, um, the, the idea that feeling is a way of thinking. Um, I think it's a great point. <clears throat> and... Um, you know, bringing the team together and getting the culture right is, is uh, you've got to get out of your head, right? And it's, it's really about the feelings and getting the right feelings in there. 
I think it's been great, Richard, and thank you very much. So just I'm um, going to move on to uh, one or two questions. And it's just very quickly, kind of my summary. We haven't covered everything, but uh, just kind of running up to the hour. So um, key lessons for me, just listening to Richard, just to kind of emphasize them. So right up front, um, get that vision clearer and that strategy clearer. Could be really tightened up. I think every client we meet, that's true. And really, um, you know, the more time you spend communicating about your vision and strategy, the better, because people will always miss it or misunderstand it. And just keeping everybody on that lodestone, I think, is really vital for success. Um, warm leadership with a performance edge. I think Rich has talked eloquently about warm leadership, but there is a performance requirement there. So there's sharpness in there. And just that lovely idea of autonomous leadership. So it's the fine balance between empowering people and giving them guidance, uh, coaching leadership, if you like, but also the ability to step into different roles and not be a one trick pony. As a leader, I think that's really important. And everyone out there should be thinking about their sort of Kung Fu leadership and getting a black belt on that. Um, key hires help transform growth. Um, really tough one for most businesses to get, but um, great tale here from Richard. So listen to what he had to say. Uh, there's the truth in that. Difficult to get right, but when you do, it's transformational. So, so really think about that. Uh, we didn't really talk about this one today, but um, maybe it'll come up in questions. So, uh, no, not everything has gone right. And um, one of the really interesting things is getting product, new products and new product launches right. That's key, been key to growth, and not getting it right has been so important here. I think to learning the lessons of how to get it right next time. So, you know, ask questions about that in a sec. Um, and then this lovely point at the end about self-confidence and a balanced approach. I think it's a great story um, that, you know, we're all human beings and sometimes things connect up in our brains in strange ways. And just being told by someone you respect and trust, your boss, your managing director, someone who's a mentor and influencer, that you're good and it's true, um, can sometimes just make magic happen, which is a little bit unpredictable, but definitely worth having if you can get it. Some really great points there. So um, and we had a great question from Ed Garston, which is about what's the best way to approach the regulators? You know, do you go and talk to them about this or, you know, do you just sort of fight, fight fire with fire? What do you do? How do you get the regulators on board? Sure. Well, um, they are people also. Um, and we we found that by being by really kind of being proactive was, was the best way that we tackle that. So, for example, HMRC representation were at our first customer breakfast. So we put the cards on the table and said, you know, last October, would somebody from HMRC like to come along to a round table? It's not a sales opportunity. We're validating what we think is a fledgling market. Yeah. And of course, they said, actually, well, your customers are our customers. And I think we overlooked that. You know, yeah. it's absolutely important for us to make sure that businesses are prepared for this, you know, digital change as well. Um, Sure, that doesn't work with completely all of the regulators. I mean, we deal with kind of, you know, 30 around Europe, right? And it's harder to get some than others. But I think we, again, that's part of our scaling up journey. We've now got key people in those roles, in the regulatory manager roles. So their, their focus is to create those relationships and suit around Europe, um, telling them who we are and how we like to help them. Of yeah. course, there's a commercial kind of output from that, but, you know, they also, I think the key thing for me is that they had similar interest in what we had, which was success at the moment. Yeah, yeah, they want to make it work. So it kind of makes sense and you can go in and just talk and that's the um, best way to go. Yeah. 
So just keep you an eye on the time. I think Richard's happy to stay around for a few minutes for more questions. So I'm just going to wrap up and um, send you all back to your desks. So um, thank you all very much for listening. We'll come back on to Entrepreneurs Organization in a sec, if you don't mind, Richard. I know that's really important yes, to you. Give you a chance to mention that while people are staying on. Uh, so just a summary, you know, what's the one thing that you're going to act on from today in your own leadership, in your own business? Just reflect back on everything that Richard said, some great points there. But uh, I always think it's really important just to focus. So what's the one thing that really resonated? And just try and do that. Um, and that'll make a difference for you. So try and make this useful. Pick up on one thing and put it into action. It's great to read, great to listen. But really, the truth is about doing. So what are you going to do? Um, you can register for our next one now. It'll be up on the website. If you go and search at www.alembicstrategy.com, click on the Get Involved area of our website, and you'll be able to see uh, our events coming up. Cultural development is um, up next in September, which is uh, Russell, Russell Earnshaw. Uh, some of you will have met him at our leadership conference. Uh, he was um, RFU Rugby Sevens uh, coach and chief coach development coach, so coach of coaches. Uh, great guy, really, really fascinating and energetic and really amazing thinker. So definitely worth listening to Russell for sort of practical tips on, on coaching from a sports angle. Um, and don't forget to go to our YouTube site. I'm just going to flip over and see if I can show you that if you're still on. So just bear with me while I sort of fight the technology here a little bit. So I'm thinking this is, you can now see our YouTube site. So Richard's video will be up here shortly, and then it will have uh, some clips from some of the big insights up there. And you've got loads of uh, really interesting leadership in videos here from really eclectic range of leaders. Um, fascinating stuff to listen to. Loads of tips on all of them, and there'll be more up there. So go and go and have a look. It's a real kind of rich area now, which is um, Olympic Strategies YouTube site, which is kind of like where we put our blog blog stuff. Um, so um, and then. Um, and if you're interested in connecting with us more deeply, our next leaders forum, which is our afternoon of bringing peer leaders together to share insight. We're going to be talking about high performing teams, myth versus reality. And I'm hoping Richard will be there. I'm not sure he can make it, but we've asked. So hoping he'll come uh, and share more words of wisdom with us. But you can join us with other London leaders for an afternoon of leadership insight and networking on the 24th of October. Again, that's on the website. You can go and register now if you're interested in joining us and find out a bit more about that. So thank you very much for listening. Um, you're all welcome to stay on a little bit. And um, But uh, if you have to go, goodbye. I hope you have a lovely day. Hope to see you next time. Please share this with other people and go and subscribe on our YouTube site and we'll see you next time. Uh, so Richard, I'm kind of um, quite interested just to go back to that entrepreneurs organization for those who are still listening. You know, Tell us a little bit about that because I know you chair that. Um, sure. Um, this is, I suppose, the world's, world's largest organization for, for businesses that are accumulating a million dollars of, of local equivalent in turnover. And, and for me, it's been hugely beneficial. It's a support network, it's a learning network, and it's just helped me in terms of growing myself as a leader and, and how I interact with the team. So um, if there's any um, you know, business owners, because it's exclusively for, for, for startup um, business owners and, and CEOs. Um, if you feel as there's a gap in your, um, not just life, but also family balance as well. So it helps a lot in terms of getting that balance right. So we all feel as though, you know, rugby at work kind of making money, but then, you know, someone at home might be saying, we don't see you enough. You know, it helps you really kind of like address those things as well. Um, and it's, you know, the, the, all I can say is 
difficult to sort of put specific ROI on there. But you know, when I joined, I was at revenue of kind of you know under under a million, probably under a thousand pounds, and that's sort of four plus now. So so in that three years, it, I feel as though that's fueled me, and yeah. a lot of these cultural leaders are, are coming out of seminars and, and learnings. They, they bring together global experts in this stuff and the ability to tap into those things is incredible. But if anyone wants to know more about that, I can talk about that until the cows come home. But if you want to get in touch via Nick, then I'll be happy to have a coffee and chat about that. Uh, that's great. So <clears throat> if Richard is going to make it, then uh, you can uh, come and meet him at our Leaders Forum. We hope he'll be there. I got thank you from Nikki and thank you from Jacqueline. So thanks, guys. Thank you very much for listening this morning. Um, we're going to call it a wrap. And um, thank you very much, Richard, for uh, sharing your insights with us. Really appreciate it. And um, the video will be up on uh, YouTube a little bit later on today. So if you missed bits of it and you want to go back and hear right from the start, uh, it'll be up there probably by noon. So um, uh, wish you all a great day and a lovely rest of the summer. And see you next time. But bye for now.